The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And we are joined by a very special guest today. It's uh, my brother Adam from Plan A Magazine and the Escape from Plan A podcast. Uh, Bro, it's good to have you on. What's up, everyone? Glad to be on. (laughs) Yeah. So um, today's topic is one that uh, I think kind of comes in and out of public attention um, as things crop up, but I think is an important one for us to cover today and one that's right in your wheelhouse, Adam. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, anti-Asian uh, hate and um, uh, hate crimes in spe- uh, specifically, but also some of the historical roots of anti-Asian sentiment in the United States. So, um, uh, Adam, can you just, Adam, can you just uh, lay out what the current landscape is uh, for Asia, uh, for Asians in America? Um, it's it's scary in a lot of places, right? Um, there seems to be a story of of a random attack on the street of of lar- usually elders, right? El- you know, older men, older women, but also you know very high profile cases of um, you know young young people being killed and murdered and attacked. Uh, and there's also, you know, there's also what people know of, of, of everyone, of, you know, because of COVID, um, the whole China flu, Wuhan flu, um, and that rhetoric that, uh, and also all the lab leak and the, the, the rumors about, or speculation that COVID was, uh, came from a Chinese lab in Wuhan, um, which is a city in China. And, um, you know, that was, peddled most, you know, I think most loudly by Trump and the Republicans, but, you know, there are also a lot of Democrats and such that, that peddle those theories. Um, and just, uh, in general, just a lot of anti-Asian sentiment. Um, and so it, there's a lot of trepidation in the, in the community. Um, yeah. So um, that, that's the general, I think more contemporaneous, uh, you know, current environment. 100%. And uh, Sarah, in your neck of the woods, there was uh, back in uh, mild stomping grounds, Bloomington, Indiana, yeah. Uh, yeah. there was just an attack uh, there. Um, what can you tell us uh, about that? I mean, you know, we always make jokes about like people who think their genetics are superior just look like uh, they were, you know, grown next to a leaky nuclear power plant. Um, but- <laughs> they stood in front of the microwave a little too long. Yeah, exactly. So what struck me about this situation and specifically like the cases that you see repeated with specifically anti-Asian violence in the post uh, post COVID world is there are like three things that are like working together to make this like a super epicenter of violence, like where on the one hand, like there's like the um, what's the word? It's not like feminization, but the you know, the the um Oh my gosh, the description of sort of like Asian men specifically is like, mm-hmm. you know, like emasculation. Emasc- yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Emasculation. We're like, we're like, we're, you know, if you are racist towards like black Americans, for example, like you might not be as willing to like physically engage with them or attack somebody right. because, you know, 
there's the the feelings of like um, physical inferiority. Whereas like the person who attacked a student, by the way, this is a student at IU, is an is a meemaw. Like she's an old woman with 56. literally yeah tattooed on eyebrows and a Marilyn Monroe piercing, and she looks like every townie from Bloomington who probably wouldn't have you know engaged with a physical violence against somebody who was you know perceived as bigger than her or stronger than her or whatever. Like you yeah. know. Somebody who probably wouldn't have attacked a woman, for example, but like, you know, found herself very comfortable attacking uh, an Asian man. And like, that's the other thing. It was an an 18 year old Chinese. uh, Oh, I I apologize. I I only looked at the Meemaw picture and I was like, that that Mm. tracks. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like like it's attacks on older people. Right. Like we're talking about like repeated attacks on vulnerable people. And like the fucked up thing is that like. uh there's also like a competency that gets played into it where it's just like, you know, if like Trump being angry about quote unquote shithole countries like Haiti or, you know, like impoverished, like low resource places would never, we would never think like it would never fly on, on that side to say like, Oh, this is an entire nation responsible for leaking this incredibly powerful, you know, disease. It's like, wow, these folks are competent. And that's how we know that like, they're really going to try to fuck us up. And it's like, how did these three three elements get mixed together to create this like perfect recipe for violence that with yeah. especially with people who would not normally think to engage in violence? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, I yeah, it was just and and when we talk when we talk about the violence is that it's 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 completely mundane out in public, just random. Right. Like there, there's a, there's a camera on the bus um, because once you step in, once you step into public, even, well, not that Bloomington is like a podunk town, right? It's a, it's a um, university town, very international because Bloomington and people might be wondering like, how does, how did this um, 18, how did this, uh, you know, Chinese young woman end up in Bloomington, Indiana of all places is that Bloom IU is a very, um, uh, international university. It yep. actually, prop, like a lot of American universities, relies on international students pay, paying full freight yep. for um, a lot of their budget, right? Yep. So there's a large Chinese American community uh, at, at IU. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also kind of changed the town a bit, right? So I think yep. there's also probably a stewing resentment um, towards that, probably a bit, because change yep. is scary, right? Well, there's, and, there's um, another factor that factors into this, which is the economic visibility of international students yes. has really gone up. So yeah, uh, yeah, when my dad was at IU, like, I don't know if you know this, but the Dalai Lama's brother lived in Bloomington all his life. I didn't life. know that. Oh, yeah. So, um, so they, uh, the Dalai Lama's brother owned this like amazing um, restaurant that we would always go to. And I've been there my whole life. And it's always, they've always had a huge contingent of, of international students because a lot of people want that like small town Americana experience right. and Indiana seems like a safe place for that to happen. Right. And then over the years, like uh, as like the visible wealth of international students has grown. Yeah. Um, that's a good like, point. That's a good point. Bloomington, by the way, is one of the best places to, to find a used luxury car um, because <laughs> yeah, uh, they go back home and then they're Mercedes and all they just leave, they just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like why do you, that's why would you true. need it? Why would you need to port yeah. it home? You're not shipping it all the way back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You yeah. just get a new one when you get home. And um, right. there's also like, you know, it's the same thing. And I, I never want this to sound sympathetic, but it's the same thing that drives that like, that Trumpist thing where it's like, 
everybody else is getting all these opportunities. And you're like, yeah, they worked for them. Like, you know, like this is literally multiple generations of effort leading to this moment. And you didn't do that or didn't have the opportunity or whatever. And all of a sudden, these people who have a much more visceral feeling of things being taken from them, if that makes sense. Right, Mm -hmm. right. They don't have as much, they wouldn't have as much um, resentment towards like one of their white neighbors, right? Right. Suddenly being wealthy or being wealthy, right? There probably is already. I mean, there's always that class resentment. But there isn't that added layer of like, well, this, you know, C word shouldn't, you know. And so, but, and I mentioned it because it just, it was random, right? So they they have the footage and there wasn't like an argument between these two people um, before. Like they didn't even have any interaction. Yeah, I want to know. There was no interaction. No interaction. Literally nothing. Like they didn't talk to one another. They didn't like, you know, there was nothing. And and the the lady just, uh, which is a... The, the woman went up to her and just took out her folding knife and stabbed her in the head a few times, yep. more than and a then few times, away. and then just walked off the bus. And I will commend the person who got off the bus and followed this woman yes. and called the police because that is actually a scary thing, right? You just saw somebody stab another person, yes, and they had the wherewithal and courage to follow that person, probably from a long way away, yeah. uh, and call the police, and that's how you know. And they probably would have caught her anyway because, you know, video camera on a bus. Yeah. But it was a lot faster, right? Yeah. So you know, I, and thankfully, um, the victim seems to be recovering and yeah. is going to survive. Uh, thankfully, um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we're keeping an eye on that. But yeah, I mean, crazy. Just like and and this stuff and it's and it's random. It's targeted because the the woman who did the stabbing she she told the police <laughs> i attacked this woman because she's chinese or she's asian like she did it, it because it was a targeted thing yeah i want to say wasn't targeted this necessarily was for this woman right i want to say or, quote, that student she's because yeah she targeted uh, a, a asian uh, person specifically so that there would be quote one less person to blow up our country end quote um so right. yeah, the, I mean, this is about as cut and dried a hate crime as you can possibly yes. get. You very yes, rarely exactly. get a person stating their motivation this explicitly. But like, I mean, for listeners who don't know, I mean, uh, Sarah, you live, uh, you know, in Indiana, uh, not in Bloomington, but I lived in Bloomington for many years. Um, yeah, I spent. Yeah. It's actually I lived in Bloomington the longest of anywhere that I lived in my adult life. Yeah, That's probably um, right. Yeah. I mean, I spent the better part of a decade there. Uh, And incidentally, it's also a great place to find used designer clothes, like secondhand designer clothes. Same. Because at the end of every semester, uh, you could there would be just donations to the local thrift shops and uh, and there would be beautiful stuff. That's actually how I wound up with like these great Brooks Brothers um, uh, dress shirts. Anyway. um, Well, it's also size for Asian people, right? Size for Asian people. Yeah, (laughs) But like. You know, about Bloomington is about ten percent Asian, um, and that's the student population. So you have a very uh, clear division between the townies and the student population. And I, I want to be very specific. The reason there are more foreign exchange students at Indiana University is because of um, systemic uh, reductions in funding by the state government. So yeah, right. if the people of Indiana are mad that their flagship universities have to bring in foreign students to subs to, to pay full freight. It's because they refuse to pay enough taxes. Just yep. saying. Anyway. Well, while Indiana sits on a billion dollar surplus, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
so also the restaurant you're talking about owned by the Dalai Lama's uh, brother, whatever, um, was called Snow Lion. It is unfortunately no longer there. Uh, it's, been ah. re- it's been replaced by a very excellent Chinese restaurant um, that I really, really liked. Anyway, um, but Bloomington is the Asian students are very visible and they've had a really huge impact on the culture of yeah. the town. And I think in a really positive way, there's amazing Korean food there. There's karaoke uh, there's a- joints. There's a great restaurant there. Uh, I don't know if it's still open, but it was called Lotus Cafe, and it was a literal collective of Chinese students who were tired of there being shitty Chinese food. So collectively, they pooled their money and hired a... a, Yeah, they sponsored um, a Chinese chef to come over and live in Bloomington and, like, like, got how... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. It was amazing. It was this amazing like solidarity that improved Bloomington and people were mad about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, it's amazing. Like there's a place, there's a Korean restaurant called Mama's, which was mm-hmm. literally founded by the mother of a Korean student who came over yeah. because she thought that there wasn't going to be good Korean food for the students there. And she, she could wasn't provide wrong. it. And she was 100% <laughs> right. She <laughs> was 100% right. She rectified um, that single-handedly. Oh, she totally it's it's great. Uh actually it's really really good. But like it really has had an impact there. But we're talking about a state where other than Indianapolis and Bloomington there is no substantial uh yeah. Asian population. So it's a little I mean the Midwest diff- in general, right? I mean it's not like yeah. you yeah. know the Asian population in America is pretty much concentrated in on the East Coast, the West Coast, and there's some, you know, in the South, like Florida is becoming more increasingly Asian. I think Texas is too, actually. Um, you kind of follow the taxes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like the, you know. and follow the concentrations of healthcare. Like, I'm from yeah. Evansville, Indiana, which has like three of the major regional hospitals. And, right. you know, that was fairly Asian. And, it, and again, it was people in upper echelons of professional society, which like bred that resentment in a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The number of racist people who complain about having a quote unquote foreign doctor in Evansville is like, well, die of a heart attack in a field then, sir. Like, I don't know what you <laughs> yeah. want. You, you know? have a doctor. Yeah, yeah you have a doctor. The... Congratulations. Like you have very yeah. competent care. Yeah. And we don't we don't train enough of, you know, all the white ones. So you're going to have <laughs> to deal with what you got. But like in I remember in 2016, uh, there was an axe attack against a Chinese student. By a man That's in right. the county over in Brown County. And I want to note, I spent a lot of time in Brown County because one of my ex's family is in Brown County. And whenever I went there, I used to joke that I was the only Asian for like, you know, 10 square miles. Um, but joke. it turns out the reason why is because the other dude got attacked with an axe. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I mean, I have to say, I luckily was never attacked by an by someone wielding an axe but the reason and i want to note in a in a i have to give indiana's white supremacists credit for being upfront uh the reason the guy was attacked the man said it was to quote bring about an ethnic cleansing end great. quote great so great while we are going to be talking primarily about hate crimes that are clustered mostly on the coasts that's simply because of where most asians are uh, yeah. But I just so anybody thinks we're being biased against the coast, we're, we're not. We're, well, I, I, I think it was good to start by talking about someplace in the Midwest because basically anywhere that Asians are in large numbers, whether it's yeah, Bloomington, I, Indiana, or Seattle, or New York, we I have. I don't care about any bias. accusations of bias. Like we live on. I live on the coast. I grew up on the coast. Like 
what bias do I have against where I grew up and, lo- you know, I love the coast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just the facts. It's just the facts of where it's happening, right? Like, I don't know. I, I, I was, was going to say that uh, the funny, you know, when, when that, that woman being so upfront and out there, broad daylight, committing the crime, saying to the police, like, yeah, it's like one less person to blow up the country. Like, uh, white, within white culture, racists often operate on the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? That, right? Like, obviously, wink, wink, you know. Nudge, yeah. nudge, yeah. Um, we, I was out with a friend and uh, we were talking to this, like, stranger, this, like, white man who, when my friend named what school he worked at, he goes, oh, so you work at one of those ghetto schools. And, like, there was, like, that, like, stomach drop feeling where, like, he goes, um, I work in, I do work in a low-income area, but that's not a word that I use. And, like, this this realization in the other person that, like, we were not safe racists, you know what I mean, to talk to right. was um, was so, like, palpable. And his fear, like, his fear and embarrassment was so palpable in that instant. And that's what that's what comes up every time. It's just like this person, you know, this person did this in broad daylight. And it's like, yes, they think everybody feels the exact same way. And mm-hmm. like, yes, yes. Ugh. There's the feeling of well, and, and this goes back to what you're, you know, we'll, we'll get into sort of the historical roots of this. But I think one the of all the racial groups in America, um, I feel like Asians are the safest to still have hatred against. Yeah. Um, certainly there's a lot of racism for every racial group that's not white, but there's going to be a group of people, um, from all around that will condemn it. Right. I think that even if it's not true, you know, I I do think that these attacks are condemned. I think there's still a sense in America that Asians are the weakest ones, right? They're going to have the least within their own community going to have the least solidarity about like condemning these attacks. Right. Because I, you know, I see it online where like these attacks will happen and then um, there'll be all these like calls to be like, well, we can't have the person arrested. And, and I'm not a fan of the police or the prison system. But if someone murders somebody, what are we going to do? Yeah. Right. And, you know, you, you'll get accusations of like you're being, you know, anti-black, you're being anti all these other things. And I'm like, I just want the person who did the crime to be punished. Um, and instead of sort of like coming to the defense of and, and sympathy, it seems like the first reaction is to like, we, we got to make sure we don't get too angry about this because, yeah. and I understand there's some reaction that'll come out and it'll, it, there are some racists that come out of the woodwork, but like that shouldn't be your first reaction yeah. to like when someone in your family or community or, or whatever is attacked, that should be, how can we protect ourselves? How can we, get justice for that person and that person's family? How can we support that person's family? And what can we do to like mm-hmm. make sure this doesn't happen again? Or like, you know, what, what are the solutions to this? See, I, I um, think one of the reasons, and this is going to be, this might be opening a whole other can of worms. So you feel free to back away uh, slowly if you want, <laughs> but this is something that I've found can be difficult to deal with, uh, you know, in, in my own conversations with different communities. But I think one of the problems, uh, the left has with confronting anti-Asian hate crimes is that many of the anti-Asian hate crimes are perpetrated by other racial minorities, specifically the African-American community. And it's fraught. Don't don't get me wrong. It is fraught. But I think that it's important for us to call out that, that it's not just white supremacists here who are contributing to the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes. 
it is other racial minorities also um, uh, contributing as well. And I think that makes it hard to honestly engage with uh, yeah, potential it allies. It does. Yeah. But we got to be honest about the fact that it's just, you know, it, if you don't want to talk about the race of whoever's doing it, it's just, okay, we're being attacked, right? Like, yeah, we, if we don't want to, but we also then, but we do have to talk, you know, and we have to have these dialogues with the, with, with the, that, with African-American community about what's going on. Right. Yeah. Or the Hispanic community or the, all the communities, because right. it's not because people will try to make the argument. Well, there's violence across all these groups. Right. Like, you know, uh, you know, everyone is attacking everyone else. Well, the, the, the data doesn't back up that the Asians are attacking everyone else. We're not doing yeah. that. Right. Yeah. The, right. The, the, like, the increase the, the Asian not violent in... crime rate is incredibly low. Yeah. <laughs> like, but we're the, not it, the ones going out there and attacking people. And depending on how so, you read the data. The increase hasn't been small since the uh, since uh, the Trump years in uh, anti-Asian hate crimes. It has gone up, depending on how you count it um, and what you define as a hate crime, it's gone up somewhere between 200% to 700% over the last few years. Right. Um, so on the low end, it's 200%. Yeah. So, uh, and... I just want to make that clear that like, this is not something where you could like argue that like, Oh, it's in line because there have been rises in hate crimes generally since the pandemic. Like there's been a 59% rise in anti-Jewish crimes year on year in 2022. Like, yes, but there are, I mean, there are levels here, but the Asian, Asian, uh, anti-Asian hate crime is like breaking the Y axis. It's like, uh, it, it reminds me of like, you know, all racism is in a flow state. You know what I mean? Like every, everything is a stream. And then the pandemic, because it did have, I mean, it, it did have undeniable, you know, psychological and emotional effects on everybody. Oh, hundred like percent. I mean, et cetera. Yeah. But I mean, imagine the pressure on that, on that wave, on that flow being compressed to the highest possible flow rate you could get out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we had like the most racist fucking idiot in the world um, on stage at the time. But like <clears throat> when I I always worry that when I come at things like this, it's going to be sounding way too sympathetic, but it's like the world is changing really, really rapidly. Right. It like is. It, you know, yeah, the absolutely. last 20 years have been unimaginably um, accelerated in terms of just like, you know, technology advancements. And I even feel annoyed when I start like a new job and they're like, well, you need to get your bing bong account so you can, you know, sign into <laughs> rooster and, you know, send it to us yeah. on zip zop, you know, whatever. And you're like, ah, um, but, you know, imagine you're true. <laughs> 55 and you have a high school diploma and you live in Martinsville. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this with like a holder of two bachelor's degrees from the number one regional private college, like in my area. Like, I feel pretty OK about it, even though I find it irritating, but it's not scary. And, uh, you know, you take that change and then you take kind of the just dystopian present of living in a pandemic lockdown. And like, I think some people's you know, mental eggshell was already just like millimicrons thick. And it's just like, okay, fuck it. Like, fuck no, everything. You know what I mean? It's true. But I think, you know, things have been changing for the last two decades really fast, right? Yeah. So we've gone through an extended period where it seems like the rate of change is just accelerating. Yeah. And, but, it, and, and so I, I always hesitate to sort of lay it all on Trump, though. I mean, Trump obviously didn't help. He exacerbated it because I yes. think he he gave he's sort of the embodiment of the id um, that was <laughs> yes. flying. You know, that was just sort of always there. And I don't know if I'm using the right Freudian 
<laughs> term, no, it's, but it's, like, it truly is id yeah. with no super ego. You know, he yeah. is just toddler with no inner parent. You know what right. I mean? And and I think that you know, and we'll get into historical all the history and stuff, but like it's always sort of been there, and it's not. And obviously, like you're, as you were pointing out, Matt, like it's not just anti Asian hatred, right? Like all the hate, you know, all the sort of categories of hate crime <laughs> have gone up, right? I and mean, certainly. Right now, it seems all the like LGBTQ hate is at a at a um, um, at a fever pitch, and um, you know the tra- trans fears and stuff like that. So you know, it yeah, change is scary, and uh, and our government and our our sort of leadership has not sort of done anything to alleviate any of that, right? So if if there were because there are other countries in the world that have done a better job at mm-hmm. sort of trying to 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 put up. Uh, or help citizens, just individuals, talk, you know, uh, cope with the change. It isn't going to stop, right? I mean, the, the world is so complex now that there's no way that any individual is going to be able to change sort of where things are going, right? Yeah. Um, so we, a lot of it is just sort of coping with the change that we're just, uh, these waves that are just coming towards us. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is just coping, and I know "cope" sort of gets a bad, you know, sort of like a, a bad word, but a lot of it is just, a lot of it is just coping, right? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to live our lives, earn enough to, you know, feed ourselves and all that stuff, and yeah. So yes, I don't think it's I don't think you're trying to make an excuse, but it is it is good to understand sort of why some of this stuff might be happening. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't excuse the violent attacks, but there is a value in understanding maybe the underlying sort of you know what's going on so you can but why do you think asians then so why do you think in this moment even though there's there are smaller increases in other categories of hate crime yeah why anti-asian hate crime specifically um i think it's because we have a large asian country that is you know ascending in power both militarily and uh, and most, more importantly, ec- economically, um, that that that's the main reason, right? Like for every other form of like racism, uh, and probably the you know, there's no like, like with the anti-Semitism, right? Like there there's Israel, but Israel's ostensibly uh, our ally, right? So there's no antagonism there, other than you know just the general historical for for like thousands and thousands of years underlying anti-Semitism, but there's no like big rival to sort of point at. Right. Um, but I think for Asians there is, right. You can go to China, China's scary. And I think also that our government, both all branches, everyone in government, they're, they're 100% in on China's our next big rival, right? Russia's sort of gone defeated. Um, China's our big rival now. And I think that because of that and because all of our politicians and leaders, even if they express it in different ways, one more like jingoistic, the other one a little bit more subtle, but not any less racist, that impetus and there's always that in the air. Right. So I think that just gives a lot of it. And then people just because people can look at it and they're like, oh, you know, the China, right. China is the largest country. So I think that makes a big difference. Why? Why Asians? And and there's like literally a morphological difference, right? Like when well, we look you can at literally, yes, yeah, like when you look at 
hate crimes committed against, um, for example, the Jewish community, like they go to places where Jewish people are. So synagogues right, right. or, you know, uh, enclaves of Jewish communities or whatever. That's true. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but hate crimes against like I'm thinking specifically like Asian Americans, black Americans or like uh, Latino Americans uh, become more much more individual because individually you can pick people out. Right. It's like the right. othering. Um, right. And. I also don't, while I don't want to blame it on Trump, I did, one of the most insane things happened uh, in Indiana and Indianapolis, um, whereas, like, I have friends who are white and are just, like, olive-skinned and have dark hair. They were getting hate crime or, like, hate no. statements yelled at them at, like, gas stations. And really? that's when I realized that it was just, did, like... Did, did people think they were Latino or something? It just, not white, right? Like, that was right. the that was the total read, was just, yeah. like, looking at them and not white. And... Uh, as I'm thinking through this, like my family is Macedonian. My great grandpa was very, very dark skinned, had thick black hair, like, thick, you know, like yeah. he w- he had to change his first name was Onassis and he had to st- change his last name uh, to finally be able is to he get related a job. to, ja- to Jackie, Jackie, uh, uh, Anastas, uh, A-N-A-S-T-A-S, uh, Anastas, uh, not but, Anastas. Okay. Uh, but, you know, like when we talk about how quickly communities are enveloped into the broader culture, it's how fast mm. your second or third generation could look white and like our second generation was like good right like <laughs> right. italians two generations <laughs> you're good like well Polish, that's also you're yeah. good that's also the thing about like like uh, italians and irish were not considered white correct um for a long time a fairly long time actually yeah. in america um they ha- it, it, it's sort of the time separation between when they've been considered white when they weren't sort of is equal now ish yeah. so like i think people don't quite it that doesn't make sense to them yeah but they weren't considered white for the longest time and now, ironically, Boston is like the place that I visit the least because people are just so fucking racist out just out in public at bars. It's like Boston. 10 dudes named Sean <laughs> who all just want to kick somebody's ass who's like the color of coffee with too much cream in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they're angry they're living in Boston. That's <laughs> I mean, yeah. who could blame yeah. them? It's awful. Yeah. I remember I was uh, uh, walking down the street uh, with uh, with uh one of my exes in Boston and we just like, there were some guys milling outside of a bar and we just had to squeeze oh our boy. way through. So I'm like, Oh, excuse us. Excuse us. And the guy's like, what the fuck did you say to me? And then his friend's like, uh, he said, excuse me. <laughs> and the guy's like, Oh, <laughs> and we're like, yeah. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. like, dude, chill the fuck yeah. out. Yeah. But like, <clears throat> I want to, I want to pivot here. So I think that, you know, you touched on Trump and specifically like the comments about um, immigrants as like invaders is very yeah. central to uh, oh, yeah. the sort of MAGA wing of the Republican Party. This idea they're going to, quote, blow up the country. Right. This idea that uh, immigrants from Asia, Adam and I are both immigrants uh, yes. from Asia. Um, it always made me laugh when uh, uh, people would, when people make the rhetoric about immigrants taking our jobs. I'm like, dude. You can't do my job. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I think that it ties back, though, to deeper strands of anti Asian sentiment in American history. So I want to reel us back. Um, and we're going to, we're going way back, um, to 1882, um, to the Chinese Exclusion Act. And yes, it is the only law of its kind that named <laughs> that named the group that they were trying to prohibit. 
Um, yep. And it was signed by Chester Arthur and it prohibited all immigration of Chinese laborers for 10 years. Um, uh, this is, so, this is yeah. by the way, after almost exclusively Chinese immigrants have built all the railroads <laughs> on the West Coast, died on the job and were shoveled yeah. into pits next mm-hmm. to the railways. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they they still managed to be dicks about it because there was the 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 Chinese Exclusion Act actually expanded the Page Act of eighteen seventy five, uh, which specifically excluded Chinese women from coming to the United States. Yes, first they ex- yes first they excluded the women, um, and then they imported the men to build the railroads, and so there, and also there were a lot of I think um, Filipino workers came to build the railroads. There were a lot of a lot of Asians, but m- mainly Chinese, right? Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. they were the largest. And, um, yeah, so they were having, they had these like bachelor societies where it was just the men because the women had been excluded. And even if they had wives or whatever, they couldn't come over. Yep. Um, and, uh, but they also they were... didn't want them to fuck any white ladies. No, you know, no, that no, was no, like, no, none of that. I was that. getting to that. I was so, getting to yeah. that. So anti-miscegenation <laughs> so, laws. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, yeah. So then, yeah. So the, all sorts of fuckery, um, yeah. I just wanted to lay out the history so people can get an idea. I want to note the Chinese Exclusion Act did not like get overturned or did not actually last for the 10 years it was supposed to. It was uh, made permanent and it was not repealed until 1943. So that is 61 years. And by the way, when they repealed it in 1943, they allowed 105 Chinese immigrants to come in each year. Very generous. (laughs) Yeah, extremely generous. So what would be, so you talked a little bit about the bachelor societies. So how would this impact perceptions of uh, Asians in the United States? Um, well, I think it's, it, you know, we have to go forward in time a little bit to sort of the propaganda that was done during World War II um, when, you know, the Japanese attacked us and they were on the, you know, against us. Um, and there was a lot of propaganda or a lot of, you know, anti-war wartime posters of, um, you know, Japanese men were like little rats. Right. Um, scurrying around um, vermin. Right. And um, but at the sa- and, and sort of like going back to the emasculation. Right. So but so they're very unmanly because they're sneaky. Um, but at the same time, they're sneaking in to steal the women. Yeah. So they're you know, they're. They're going to steal all the women. And that actually, I think part of that fear is also sort of just generic fear of the other and, and a lot of the wartime propaganda. But it comes from these bachelor societies where a lot of them, I think it's shown that they were, um, you know, they like to have fun, right? So they, they would make their own, they would have their own bars and dance halls. And they were known, I think, some of the communities at least for being really fun places to hang out. Yep. And a lot of, you know, women, American women, largely white women would want to go and hang out. That did not make the white guys very happy. Never does. So <laughs> there was, you know, so there was just it was a motivated thing to be like, well, no, you don't want to, you know, they're, they're sneaky and they're going to come steal our women. So we have to hate them. Right. And obviously a lot, you know, with the wartime stuff in World War Two, that was also just because of the war. But a lot of that, you know, that was just to, to illustrate sort of the underlying you know uh where that where that comes from but just it it i think it it just shows the general attitude or, or of of immigrants that america has had throughout its history yeah. we don't really americans never really want them here 
right? We don't, they don't really want us. They want our labor to pay us as little as possible. We don't care if you're miserable or whatever. If you die really quickly, they're just more people anyway. Um, so there's just, the, you know, so there, there's just a hatred of them. And a TV show that um, I don't think enough people have seen, and I actually still, I actually have to finish it. I, I didn't finish it because I, did, <laughs> I didn't love it, but it, it is really good. It, just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's not, not good. But the show I'm, that I'm talking about is called is Warrior. Um, and it's about Chinese immigrants in, in that sort of turn of, you know, during that um, uh, railroad period, I think, you know, probably in the turn of the century a bit. Um, and there's a great scene in like the first episode where uh, the, the uh, main character, he's just he's literally off the boat because that's the only way he could get here <laughs> back then. And um, he he ends up going to this bar because he gets like picked up or he's identified by like the the moth the, the gangs, <laughs> the Chinese gangs that are there. And he goes into this bar and there's this this group of like Irish people just, you know, and they're and there's a labor dispute and everything with the Irish because they're being basically, you know, treated horribly in a, by, you know, in America and so they're talking about how they need, you know, they need to resist or like they need to fight, fight back. But then they see this Chinese guy in the bar and the dialogue turns toward our jobs are being taken by this new group of immigrants. Right. Uh-huh. So it's like instead of sort of having this idea that maybe we need to be all sort of fighting against the people who are exploiting us there, it's easier to hate sort of the new group. Right. If we exclude this new group then we can keep the jobs and then maybe our lives will get better. All right. That's, right. that's a great so, segue. So there's because... a, there's a long, long history of this in America and it's not just Asians, but it, it, it seems to be that because of the morphological difference, like you point out, Sarah, right? Like, there's no way for us to sort of blend in. We can't become white because of our yeah. skin color. Yeah. Right. And like, I, I think that's perfect because, you know, the Chinese exclusion act came about in 1882 and, that it coincided with over a decade of rising Chinese uh, labor migration into mostly into the American West, particularly California. So, yeah, San Francisco. And, yeah, San Francisco and L.A. And there was a, a strike in 1970 uh, in which all of the workers were replaced by 75 Chinese men. You mean 1870? Uh, 1870, yeah. Uh, and then that led to... Like 1970? Yeah, that's... sorry. And that that is really what launched Chinese immigration to become something a national political issue, and there were other issues uh, like uh, in 1873, Chinese workers were blamed uh, for depressing workmen's uh, uh, wages. That was during an economic panic in 1873, um, and that led to California. So, like to give you an idea of the, the how hyperbolic. And yet somehow familiar the rhetoric was in 1873, the San Francisco Chronicle had an article titled the Chinese invasion. They are coming 900,000 strong. Um, And then six years later, California banned Chinese immigration in their state constitution. And this was after they had tried to do it legislatively, but it was ruled unconstitutional by the state Supreme Court. So they changed the constitution. So it couldn't be unconstitutional. Exactly. Clever, clever. and you know that's government really responding to the yeah. needs of the people. Um, Racists find a way. 
that's what we should. I mean, it's honestly a little bit, you know, I mean, I, I don't admire it, but I mean, it's I respect the <laughs> the hustle there. Well, it was like yeah. when Reagan said, like, you know what everybody should have uh, is guns. Everybody should have lots of guns. You should exercise your right to have your guns in public. And the Black Panther said, fucking bet. And went and yep. got a bunch of guns and <laughs> went to right. the California State House. And Reagan said, "Ooh, not like that. Not like actually, that. Actually, <laughs> actually, gun control. Yeah. Yeah. Just kidding, guys. Yeah. yeah. But like these legal prohibitions against immigration are only ever the first step. Um, yeah. After that, there entered a period which is known as the quote driving out period. Where the white workers wanted to, quote, drive out the Chinese uh, workers and make them flee. So in 1885, the Rock Springs Massacre, it's in Wyoming. White Mm -hmm. miners, mad mad that Chinese miners were there. So they shot and stabbed and robbed the Chinese in Chinatown. And lit lit their homes on fire and prevent them from leaving. So many of them either burned to death, starved to death. Or died in the mountains and were consumed by uh, wild animals. Fuck. Awesome. Yeah. And then two years later, there's the Hell's Canyon uh, massacre, which again, uh, were Chinese miners. Um, 34 of them died. Um, unfortunately, and no one bothered to speculate. They uh, investigate. The... Uh, uh, the uh, company claimed that they died as natural causes, um, but it was pretty clear that uh, the gold was stolen from them and they were shot. I was um, going to say, I hate it when nature plugs me in the back of my head with a nine millimeter. You yeah, know? you know, just those yeah. coyotes. They're using the. They're getting th- when once they grew thumbs, we were all fucked. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and how many how many victims were th- were there? Thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. Thirty four and. Um, it, it was interesting. This was also like a capitalist difference too. The ownership class generally did not want immigration bans to go in place because they're a source of cheap labor. Um, and you often see, you see some of these divisions still today that like the uh, uh, Mitt Romney wing of the uh, Republican Party today generally opposes immigration restrictions for those reasons. But they're not, you know, they're not uh, driving the clown car anymore. They're not the chief real, clown. Real quick, this is one of my all-time favorite legislative stories, is that Alabama got bent all out of shape about um, illegal immigration in the mid-aughts. Um, so their legislature passed one of the strictest bans on illegal labor and um, deportation. And in for their efforts, if you will, the fruits of their labor, no pun intended, um, was that a few million pounds of produce just rotted on the vines in Alabama. It cost their farmers. It was a uh, one of the like record 10 times years for um, oh, whatever it's called when you like apply to get like uh, essentially relief for all the money right. that you lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up costing the state, you know, like on the order of a couple billion dollars when you, you know, account for the total loss. And you know, it, it was like, it always happens this way, right? Like the, the, the cycle goes, who are these people? I think they're taking our jobs. And then five minutes later, wait, wait, wait. I think they're taking our pussy and our jobs. Let's do law. We do law. They're, they're still here. We did law and they're still here. Guess we got to do a genocide then. (laughs) Yeah. Rinse and repeat. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. 
and like this, the thing that I find, so let's move away. So where you are now, so Adam, you're in yeah. the New York, New Jersey area, which obviously is yes. a much larger uh, Asian population um, yeah. than most than virtually anywhere else in the United States other than the West <laughs> yeah. Coast. So like, what's yeah, the yeah. general feeling, though? Like, how does it feel right now? Well, you know, I, I don't live in the city. Um, so I think it makes a difference because I live in New Jersey and I live basically in a cluster of towns that are um, in and of themselves, like the towns, not just like a borough or a neighborhood in a city, but the whole towns are like Asian enclaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't think there's that much imminent fear uh, in when people are just sort of in our towns, but um of you know people that I know li- who live in New York City and just people that uh, I'm aware of and, and I talk to, there is a general sense of uh, of, of nervousness, anxiety. Um, I think there's fear. Um, it doesn't prevent anyone from doing what they need to do. Yeah, but it just makes it much much scarier just to go to work, um, go to the store, um, just walk on the street, uh, and it you know so. And, and in response to that, you know, there have been people who've, who've started um, organizations to try to help people, um, you know, manage that. In a sense, it's to manage anxiety, but also it's just to, to, to help protect themselves. So there's one called Dragon Combat Club, and it's just completely volunteer, nonprofit organization. And these are people who have experience in self-defense, and they offer free classes for anyone who wants to come and learn self-defense. Um, they also, um, if you come to enough classes, they'll give you um, sort of this everyday carry implements like a flashlight that is also you, you can use for for defense. Um, so they they offer these services, and you know I think that you know when people talk about we don't need carceral solutions to your safety or whatever, this is what that looks like, right? Or one thing that that could look like. And there's nothing wrong with knowing how to defend yourself, and. That doesn't mean that you're, and I've seen people criticize it to be like, well, then then you're you're adding to the danger because now you're gonna uh, go out and be more violent. I'm like that. That's not what they teach, and that is actually not, that's like the last thing that any good um, self defense class or organization will teach anyone is that you are now an offensive weapon. It's purely defensive, uh, and um, it's. Uh, it, and then also people criticize and say, now you're, you're giving people a false sense of security. And I know the, I know this, I know the people in the dragon combat club, um, uh, personally, I don't know them well, but I've met them and I know other friends of mine who know them a lot better. <clears throat> and they're like, well, if you have that, if you get that sense out of our class, then we, we messed up because they do not try to teach that. Right. Um, and they would, and they would encourage someone who thinks that now they've taken one class and have a flashlight that they're, immune to come back and take more classes because obviously they didn't the, the message didn't get through the first time but either way like this is the type of community response that we're looking for is that people in the community that live in the communities go out and and protect themselves right or or at least give people the tools to be more vigilant and to you know manage their own mental health because at the end of the day you need to that mental health is what really you know affects people as well is that I, you just don't you don't want people to be afraid to go out right yeah. 
Um, you don't want people to have to constantly be going out in pairs, right? Even though that's mm -hmm. probably, that's all, you know, th there are also organizations that are doing that, yeah. that offer free community-based sort of services to say that if you are, you know, if you want to go out, you know, if, let's say you're an older lady and you want to go out and you don't feel safe, they'll get the, it's communities of like, you know, younger men or, or, or middle-aged men who are like, I'll go walk with you. Mm -hmm. It, yeah. These are not gangs going out. You know, these aren't like vigilante gangs patrolling their neighborhoods or something. Um, these are literally people like you or me saying, "Like, I will go out with you, Granny. I'll go out and I'll I'll keep you safe, or at least make you feel safer that you have someone else with you that maybe they won't fuck with, right?" Because um, that's what at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's also the cowardice that gets me. It's like not only are you attacking people, you're attacking the most vulnerable people. Um, yeah. And you're just a fucking coward who are getting uh, like when you watch the videos of like these old oh Asian God. men in the subway in New York who get sucker punched on the back of their heads. Like, you know, come at me with this, like no violence when like it's not the most vulnerable people being attacked yeah. from behind by surprise in public. Like also, if I may, on this platform, to my fellow like white liberal arts people who are saying like, we want non-carceral solutions, like don't add, but shut the fuck up. Like, please shut the fuck all the way up. Please stop telling communities who are facing violence that you don't have to deal with how they should or should not react and policing the morality of whatever that response is. Kindly, from the bottom of my heart, shut the fuck all mm -hmm. the way up, Karen. Okay, that's all I needed to <laughs> yeah. say. No, I, I, I'm with you on and that. It's not like the Asian community has a love for like law enforcement in yeah. general. Right? Yeah. Like it's not like they've protected our communities from any go. sorts of crimes. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. I mean it, in LA, right? People like to make it seem like it was just sort of um out of racial animus that uh the Asian areas were 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 attacked. That was yeah. the police. That was the LAPD funneling the mob mm -hmm. towards a, a, a towards a neighborhood that they knew that they didn't care about. Yep. And then oh. the Asian store owners get vilified for protecting their property and their livelihoods. It wasn't just their property, right? These are not people like going to arms for Target, right? <laughs> it's they're, they're, it's a it's a small business. The, the businesses that everyone <laughs> wants to like champion, right? It's it's a mom and pop. Literally, people who came over here with nothing, saved up and bought a storefront and are just trying to make a living. They're not rich people. Yeah. Right. And it, they're, be, you know, so it, it, <laughs> Asian Americans don't love cops. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> it's yeah. not, in general, I, right. I also just, I also want to, uh, I just want to reel back to, to what you expressed earlier because I think it's so important that, like, uh, like, you know, you and your wife, who's also Asian, also Korean, yep. like you yep. live in an area that is predominantly Korean. Oh, very. It's very Korean. And, uh, more Chinese people are coming. Yeah. Very Japanese. But it's still it's still majority white. Yeah, yeah still majority <laughs> white. But it's like very but it's very Asian. Right. But and very. Yeah. It's I like often, 30, 40 percent Asian. <laughs> and one thing I often hear uh, as a criticism of immigrant groups is like, well, you know, you just need to integrate. Why haven't they integrated? And one thing I try to try to express is one of the major barriers to integration is white violence is racism. Yeah. Is ra yeah. It's racism. It's this not is just white violence, but it's like, yeah, 
bank law, you know, bank lending and, I was, and I was just property say, laws. And I should have tucked this into the cycle of othering, which is like, you can't have a house, you can't have a mortgage, you can't uh, have fair rent, like, okay, fine, we'll all get together and buy a building, and then you can't fucking tell us, like, you can't, and then it's like, well, you guys are being awfully closed off and exclusionary, like, oh my yeah. fucking god! <laughs> No, that, that, that's such a good point. And that's it is wielded as a cudgel against the immigrants yes. to like justify their mistreatment. I'm like, no, the reason they're not integrating is that all y'all are terrible. So you're okay. terrible. A uh, fun fun story about my great grandpa Nastas is he went through that and he started the um a uh, uh, Macedonian Patriots organization and Fort Wayne, cool. where he's from, became uh the single largest Macedonian settlement outside of Macedonia because that man's wow. full of piss and vinegar. And he, like this exact thing played out where it was like, <laughs> look at all these dark, hairy people hanging out together and eating and like buying houses. Like, who do you think <laughs> you are? And it's like, you just, oh, yep. you yeah. just said we couldn't have it. And now we have, we have collected way more resources than, than any single white person would ever need to do this. And now you're like, mm, awful lot of resources. We should probably take away some of those resources. <laughs> That's always that's that's always the trap, right? It's yes. like, why don't you uh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't right. you dress this way? Why don't you get your kids educated? But yeah. uh, but every time the goalposts get moved, every single fucking time, and uh, you know it, it's like people who are quote unquote uppity, right? Right? Uh, there's I'm just saying there's always this policing of the boundaries mm-hmm. um, for privilege, and like I don't. I mean, you know, we grew up. I wouldn't even co- call it privilege. Sorry, you can go. I, I wouldn't even call it privilege. It's just sort of thriving, right? Yeah, it's just living and, and yeah. And I was doing just well. gonna say it's, it's not surviving. A yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's surviving Sorry, and mean, living well. Mean, and, go ahead, you know, fair. Yeah. No, no, one hundred percent. I was trying to be generous, uh, <laughs> uh, but like you know, we grew up in a community that was overwhelmingly white. Right. Yeah. Still is, and by the way. It still I, is. I, I occasionally look up the demographics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it, it has barely changed. Like, yeah. barely changed. And the the crazy thing to me is that, like, you know, going back to this community, like, things have changed around the edges. Um, but largely, and like, and the people here are ostensibly liberal, right? By and large, ostensibly liberal. But like. In this house, we believe in front of every house, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like they'll have a Black Lives Matter sign, you know, in their window or on their lawn, but then we'll oppose any changes to housing zoning regulations that would create, you know, multifamily housing. That like there are – that like this is not primarily – and this is like a – I, I really – this is a major problem I have with like uh, progressives generally, especially coastal progressives, is that like we have all these like big picture values like on a national scale or whatever. But when it comes to the way we actually act in our communities, mm-hmm. right? And this is down to like not just zoning laws, but like who we date or marry. You know, like Lord knows how many profiles I've seen that basically say I don't date Asians. <laughs> like, it was it's literally a trope on gay dating sites. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. no fats, no femmes, no Asians was for a long time. And it caused this major reckoning in the gay community that's like, wait, are we still the baddies? Like, did we maintain, <laughs> manage to get power for ourselves and then immediately became the baddies? I don't know. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's more benign. Like, and we, you know, we talked about the emasculation of Asian men, but like, I, I started dating a white woman once. And the first question her mom asked is, is he shorter than you are? Nice. Uh, we get along. We, we got along fine. Don't worry. Um, the answer was no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. But like, so what if I like, anyway. Yeah. But it doesn't like, even matter, right? It's like you don't answer that question. It's one of those questions where you, you, you're not supposed to answer it, right? It's, it's like when, um, when John McCain was asked whether uh, Obama was a Muslim, right? Yeah. Yeah. He answered that, oh, no, he's, he's a Christian or whatever. He and said, no, he actually said he's a good American. He's a good which American, like, right? Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it just the works. answer, which it, which seems like he was like going to bat for like Obama, right? Or he was, that was like a good answer. I'm like, actually, it's a bad answer <laughs> yeah. because you're implying that if you were Muslim, he couldn't be a good person, right? He couldn't right. be a good American. Good American he couldn't yeah. be any, right? Uh, well, and I extend that to good person because I think that there's also an implication that if you're not American, you're not a good person. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, I think a lot of people would probably be like, how dare you say that? I'm like, be honest with yourself. I think that's probably what a lot of Americans yeah. feel. Yeah. So, also, I love this. I love the the other fucked up thing that happened with Trump is like anybody that he hated got this like weird wine lib like redemption arc out of it. And you're like, no, oh no, God, sorry. Yeah. John McCain's these still awful people. terrible yeah. person. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he literally sang like the bomb, 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 Iran. He right. turned a Beach Boy song into a fun little ditty about turning Iran into glass. And his and Bush, Bush, Bush got still, like Cheney yeah. and Bush got like rehabbed. Yeah. And, like, no, no, fuck the FBI guys. as an organization is somehow <laughs> now like, you know, the paragons of virtue. And though it um, is ironic yeah. that now like the House Republicans are going to introduce a bill to uh, dissolve the ATF. And like, really? My most left-wing friends are that. just like, don't threaten us with a good time. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. They're really they're really thinking of doing that? Oh, yeah. That was one of the promises. <laughs> well, uh, they also that- promised that – they also made a promise. McCarthy made a promise that they were going to lower the uh, yeah. the uh, uh, military Pentagon budget. Yeah. And then I think it came out that it actually isn't yeah. going to lower the budget. But I'm like – it, it makes it makes the progressive wing of the Democratic Party look really bad. I was gonna say when like, when the Democrat when the Republicans outleft the quote unquote left. I was gonna say uh, proposing when, like proposing leftist legislation to own the libs is like I'm like hey, go for it. maybe it. The, maybe they're playing 4D chess. Maybe I don't know. But <laughs> they'll like, do it in the dumbest I way. Just, like they'll cut all the, the the way they're gonna cut the budget is they're still gonna have Humvees. <laughs> they're just gonna stop buying tires. Like, right, right, right. They would do only it a half tank, so it can yeah. only roll like once. You know, that's, yeah. We but, only need a right oh, tank shit. tread. Just have it fucking uh, hitched up on one of the treads. Yeah. They go but, in circles, but goddamn, they fire big artillery. And I, and I <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I know that the Republicans were sort of getting uh, like uh, were getting mocked for like how long it took them to to elect like a, a majority leader. But I mean, uh, by us, like at the same time, us. yeah. What's that? Uh, by we us, we were the ones being yeah, yeah. yeah. But us. I'm saying, but at the same time, they got shit out of it, right? Like they got concessions. I, I'm hoping. So the things <laughs> that they asked for were fucking insane. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that they asked for stuff that was good, but I'm just yeah. saying that at least they held, you know, they they held up the process to get stuff out of yeah. it, right? Like they they negotiated. I, I hope, and it wasn't uh, just a clown show. But I'm like, you can learn something. 
from the fact that they weren't, you know, you don't just get give your vote for nothing, right? You try to get something out of it. Sometimes like petulance works. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it you does. Know? But like, but anyway, but like, I, I, like, I think that the 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 point you're making, though, I think about like <laughs> about the house is important because the house is about to organize a committee to in, quote investigate the origins of the coronavirus. Yeah, and that is just very overt way to try to demonize China and by extension all well, Asians. It's yes, it's like what is it? It's like the special committee or yeah. special something yeah and there was actually a really great video from um democrat what's his name he's a democrat from georgia he's a black guy um i i'll have to try to find it but what? he basically he basically was like i vote against this because it's basically just racism against asian people and he and he, he um he's like we can do any investigation we need to do in the committees we already have and um and he cited the increased violence against Asian people for why he wasn't going to vote for it. And I'm like, that's kind of brave. And he yep. just, in two minutes, he said, he said it all, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, also good wild. For you, man. It was wild that that is what we're counting courage as, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> this is racist. We're being like, wow, bravery, bravery is, it, I assume he's a Republican is what you meant. No, he was a that. Democrat. From oh, Georgia. okay. 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 I, I was, I was like, but even, yeah. even so though, I mean, cause we've mentioned before, right. That like all branches of government and both parties have their own agenda to be anti-China. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and that includes the democratic party. Uh, they just do it in different ways. Yeah. And um, for him to stand up to his party and be like, I'm not going to vote for this thing because it's racist. We can do whatever investigation we need to do in whatever in the in the fucking dozens and dozens and dozens of committees we are and and uh, you know things that we already have and look at what's happening to Asians in America. Like I, I, he's just one guy. It's one vote. It's gonna pass, I'm sure. But he he said it. You know, it's in the, it's in the record. So yeah. I appreciate it at least. But that's the thing that the thing that scares me though is they're going to come up with something. Of course, we know that the the truth is not a uh, is not a problem (laughs) Uh, for 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 uh, House Republicans producing the narrative that they're going to want to produce, right? And my worry is is that in in we're already seeing this huge spike in anti Asian violence. We're 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 going to probably going to get another Trump run in 2024 and kill me. Yeah. What I, what I really run to. Right. Yeah. Not like he's going to be any better on this stuff. And like, no, no, I'm saying that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, And like, my worry is that like, we're, we're like, um, like our, we're, our, our national crisis uh, <laughs> we've just reached the beginning when it comes to this, that the oh, yeah. giant no. rise that we said, yeah. you know, that's between 200 and 700% is just like, is just a preview, a, a small taste of the things to come. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Lord knows if another pandemic happens, which it will, um, like, I don't know what's going to happen then. Well, well and, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you know, previously it used to be like large groups of connected white people that would commit this violence against communities. And now 
like the hate mongers are as far as I can tell, relying on stochastic terrorism to yeah. do it now. Mm-hmm. So what it feels like is inevitable is a mass shooting at a concentration of Asian people, which would, you know, complete the genocide cycle. Right. And then, and then we're just going to get right back into it where a bunch of people are going to say, this is so sad thoughts and prayers. How do we know this could have happened? And it's like, Holy fucking shit. We're just going to do this over and over again. Yeah. We continue to do it over. And I would say that we've had some mass shooting events, right? I mean, yeah. we had the Atlanta spa shootings. Yep. Um, you know, we, we've had, we had the Brooklyn hammer attack where the dude fucking killed like three people with the hammer. Yeah. Um, and, and that dude's insane. I mean, he's literally, he's so insane that he was actually able to plead insanity to get, to not be in jail. Like he's in a, he's in a, um, mental facility for his whole life now. I want to note, you know, it's very, very, very hard, um, to successfully mount an insanity defense. Um, and this was not a close call. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, so like, I, I think we've had some of these events and uh, already, I mean, if we if we need like, but we also have like the Walmart shooter guy, right? Yep. So he went in and he shot up in Walmart and killed like 23 or 25, you know, in the 20s people. Yep. Um, it wasn't targeted towards Asian people. It was targeted toward, I think, black and Latinos. Yep. Um, but like, we've had these sorts of events for other groups. Uh, and you're right, like, it'll just continue. Right. Like it's going to continue. No one's actually going to do anything to stop it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think about like the 80s, right, where we you know, Vincent Chin was, I think, is the example that's always brought up um, for violence against, you know, Asian people. Rightly so. I mean, it was just a horrific murder. Um, and, and it was another sort of instance where it was like the people who did it, like very mer- made it clear why they did it. Right. It was just he was Asian. Uh, and they were auto workers, right? So, like, yep. and, and the '80s was the era where um, it was just kind of the beginning, but it was very clear that the Japanese were going to eat, um, uh, you know, the Ford and GM and Chevy and uh, the Amer- American auto industry's lunch. And you know, the government had to literally step in to negotiate with Jap- the Japanese government to be like, uh, "Can you please stop this?" And uh, and the Japanese government was like, well, you can't we don't want you to like completely stop, you know, uh, ban our the sales of our cars. So we'll come up with an agreement that it, and it's like it, it stand, stood for a long time. It's like you, the Japanese government uh, can only import like a million and a half cars a year into America. So then that that caused the Japanese automakers to build factories here. So they're not importing them. Right. They're, yeah. they're building them here. Which, you know, from a geopolitical, real politic perspective, maybe was smart for America, right? Because now, <laughs> but at the same time, so that was because of the, the competition, right? So Japan has always been our, our nominal ally. So as bad as that, uh, as that increase in violence was, Japan's a smaller country, was our ally. We had defeated them in war. So I think that that sort of, lowers sort of the ceiling of how much direct hatred there could be mm-hmm. and there also aren't as many japanese people here uh, can, not that anyone can tell them apart right we yeah. all look the same <laughs> but i think with china it's the the there's almost no ceiling to how much hatred there can be yeah. right just like there was no real ceiling for how much hatred there was for for russians right yeah um and china is a bigger threat that it, probably on every scale if you want to, if you want to look at them as a threat, if you want to look at them as a threat, they're probably a bigger threat than Russia ever was, right? So on every measure. Plus, so I don't can, think there's. 
you can pick you can, it was harder to pick out Russians in a crowd. Right. Right. And so I think there there's no there's no ceiling to, to it at all. And and uh, that's scary. That's scary. And for for 20 years, too, we've also lived through like it felt like American media was really obsessed with portraying China as this like huge, looming, like monolithic, you know, creeping like glacier of growth that was just going to like bulldoze everybody. And like I'm thinking back on like time covers when I was in time, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, it would be like you would have like a superimposition of like. China and then like some missiles sort of over here and then like a big like you know centered star and it was just like the portrayal for years has been like China is coming like China is coming to stomp American progress and it's like I mean or or now hear me out is it like a few is a country a massive country of a few billion people who are, uh, you know, modernizing like a huge rural population. Like I think probably the single largest rural population in the world, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and India then, is actually pretty close now. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then um, when my sister and I both traveled in China in the, in the mid two thousands, um, the modernization of, of the hub cities was oh, yeah. so far from what we had been told that China was going to be like. And um, it was to us, it was really exciting because, again, we were upper middle class and mobile. So it was like, cool, like someday a third of my coworkers will be Chinese, like and I'll have an opportunity to speak Mandarin. Like it's me with opportunities, not threatened by the right. you know success of other people. Um, but then at the same time um, in Princeton, Indiana, um, is where Toyota actually built um, their one of their first uh, American factories in the Midwest. And when I motherfucking say that during these like meetings, these public town hall yeah. meetings, they were wheeling in thousand goddamn year old uh, World War II veterans who would stand up and like deliver like a long, angry speech. You can't let them in. Yeah. But then they built the factory. Right. And then all of a sudden, these fucking townies from Princeton, Indiana, were making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. With yeah, a they're great working job at a Toyota factory now. At yeah. a Toyota factory <laughs> where their bodies weren't getting ruined like they had been at every other American plant that they've ever worked at. And yeah, then because... actually, it, it turns out that maybe the the, yeah. the Japanese maybe weren't so bad. Maybe they're actually pretty. Maybe good they knew for how Princeton. to make a car, and that's why yeah. everyone that every yeah. everyone you knew was buying one. Yeah, because yeah. they were good, and <laughs> um, they had figured out a way to make cars, and you know. Yeah. And they're going to open the plant and they're going to, they're not, they do things differently. Yeah. And and all the other manufacturers now are, you know, like copy all uh, Korean and Japanese manufacturing systems, like hiring internally, et cetera. And here's the thing, right? Like the Japanese didn't come up with their method or the Toyota method didn't come up just because of like they were geniuses. Like there was an American guy that like had a lot of those ideas and they, but he was sort of ignored by a lot of people. And then the, yeah. uh, the Japanese were like, oh, you're kind of smart. Like, how could you help us? And they brought him over <laughs> and he helped them. And then they refined it, obviously, and everything. You know, it, didn't, it wasn't just that guy's ideas. But like, yeah. it was yeah. there for the Amer- like for GM and Ford to listen to this guy. But they didn't. Yeah. So it's like, who do you have to blame but yourself for being <laughs> and arrogant humorous. and lazy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I think that but I think that's a big part of it. Right. It's easier you know we talked before about you know how the world is changing and things seem out of control and chaotic and it's complicated 
I feel like right now Asians are being used as a simplifying factor that like the coronavirus pandemic is an extremely complicated phenomenon, right? With like a million different causes, uh, uh, causes. And I don't just mean of where the virus came from, but like why things played out the way they did, why people died and what patterns, right? But like blaming it on the Chinese, some dastardly Chinese scientists who cooked it up in a lab is like, a very simplifying story that makes it feel like someone's in charge that at least even right. if the plan was evil, there was a and, plan and, and, inc- and incompetently um, uh, 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 executed because they sort of <laughs> infected their whole country too. So, uh, but those are all crisis yeah. actors. Remember they took the same ones at Newtown and, you know, gave them, gave them some makeup and like taped their eyes. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you line up, right, like people who like Trump, People who are drawn to fascism, people who are drawn to authoritarianism, and people who are drawn to conspiracy, they all have the same thing in common. They want daddy to tell them the rules, right? Yeah. They want daddy to tell them the rules every day, all day, and yell it in their yeah. faces. And, you know, a conspiracy is that somewhere there's a, it's a mean daddy, but there are rules. And, you know, you don't know what daddy's doing all the time, but dad's in charge. Yeah. Trump is dad. He doesn't like you. He would not piss on you if you were on fire. He's mean like your dad. He's racist like your dad. You know what I mean? Like, um, and if you, if this is the kind of person that you are, it's very comforting to just have a group of people that you can blame, that you can pick out of a crowd on site. Yeah. Like, God bless. This matches my in- incredibly narrow and incredibly stupid worldview, you know? Yeah. And, and there, you know, we have to, I think, I think America has to sort of think about why, why these sort of father figures have so much power. And it's not just Trump and Jordan Peterson and, and the Andrew Tates of the world, um, like a contemporary ones. Like America, if you look at it from a certain lens, and it, 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 we've sort of just gone from one to another, right, uh, of these father figures. And, um, we, you know, I know we have this myth in America that, like, you know, we – we hated the monarchy, and so we, we we created a system where there are no kings and no one rules over anyone else. I'm Except like, we tried to make George Washington bullshit. a king, like right away. Yeah, like as soon as yeah, as soon as we yeah, Oops. exactly. Uh, and um, you know it, what's funny is that like in the uh, in a, on a tangent but related uh, in the video game world, Assassin's Creed is an incredibly popular franchise, well known. The third game in the franchise is one of the least loved. And I think, and, and this is something I think a lot of the, the gamer community will probably be angry about me saying, but I think part, part of the what reason why the largely white male and American uh, audience for Assassin's Creed um, didn't like Assassin's Creed 3 was that the protagonist is a half-white, half-Native American guy, and he has a lot of anger towards uh, uh, the white people, and he sort of just begrudgingly sides with the Americans over the British because it's set during the Revolutionary War period. He makes he a pragmatic, pro- non-emotional decision. Yes, yes. Yeah. And he, 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 he's like throughout the whole story, he's just incredibly angry. Right. And when you think in, in the backstory, like his his father's his his father was a British uh, guy um, and part of the evil organization, the Templars of the evil organization in this game. And he ends up in a relationship with his mom. And then, like, his his whole village is, like, murdered. 
So, <laughs> and I'm then, sure that like, was a totally consensual yeah, he's relationship totally okay that, with she, that, right? that she yeah. chose too, like that his mom um, definitely yeah, chose. Like the Pocahontas I think in the game, story, they don't, obviously. Yeah, I think in the game they don't really get into like, I think it is supposed to be, but you know, I mean, yeah. there's obviously power dynamics. But so like he, and then, and 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 his mentor in the assassins organization is is this black former slave guy, right? So like, I think part of the reason why people don't like this game is because they can't see themselves in it. And then every other protagonist in the series, every other one, other than I think one who's Egyptian, every other protagonist in the game dude. is a white man. Yeah. Um, and not just and like in like English, they're like English or I think like. Um, well, there's a French guy. I think the first guy is Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another guy is like, it, it, it's two twin, it's twins. So there's an English guy and an English woman. Um, and there's another English guy, like more English guys. Uh, and then in the last one, it's a, it's a, it's a Viking, right? So they like the Vikings. They, oh, Viking they, is manly, right? They love the Vikings. So it's like, I, 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 th- I just think about, I don't know. It's sort of a tangent, but I just think about like the, they, 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 they hate this game. I, I literally think because when you play it, it's awesome. It's, it's an awesome game. It's one of the and better I'm ones like, it's, the they don't like it because they think that because they, it, it's racist. They can't play out their white male power fantasy. I was just going to say that, like, yes. it's, it strikes me hearing about this, that, like, a group of people who this gameplay would require empathy, right, to, like, get into the story of it. And instead of being like, ah, well, an opportunity, you know, or, like, how exciting a perspective. It's just like, I don't like it. Well, you, you know don't want I mean? that like, in the games, right? People don't want that in their games. They want <laughs> pure escapism. And, like, I, it's not that I don't necessarily understand that instinct a bit. But I don't have as an as an Asian dude, I don't have the luxury to be like, I don't want to play any of this art yeah. because I don't see myself in it. Yeah. Like like li- almost would, literally don't see myself in it. Like, I, play. I play these things. Right. <laughs> and like and I enjoy certain games like Ghost of Tsushima, which is about like a Japanese guy. I'm not Japanese, but he's Asian closer. But I don't so, like, identify I enjoy, with but, him in any way. <laughs> but I also don't. Yeah, I also don't identify him in any, with him in any way because I'm not a samurai from, you know, feudal era Japan. Yeah. Um. And uh, but it's an amazing game, so I like the game, and I, I also relate to him more just because of the character stuff, right? Like the universal character stuff, like the human side of it. Not <laughs> yeah. like, so you know, I I don't have that luxury to be like, oh, I'm only going to play the games like uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance, where you know I can be historically accurate, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fine with that. Whatever, have your games. I don't need to insert myself into your game. Like, I don't want to have just, like, the Asian equivalent of this medieval game. Like, I can do whatever I want. But, like, I just find it funny. That's all. Well, <laughs> I don't know where that... Uh, no, bit, I, just I, tangent. I know it related I, to something. I no, forgot. <laughs> I just want to I just want to thank uh, our guest, Adam, uh, for coming on and talking about such a complicated and difficult topic, um, but an important one. And, again, um, so... I mentioned Plan A and uh, the Escape from Plan A podcast. So where can they find you? Uh, oh, we're on Spotify. Um, we're on um, Apple. Pod- we're on everything. Um, we also have a Patreon. So we do one free podcast a week, and then we have a, a members-only one. Oftentimes, the free one will be the first half. You know, the, to get the mm-hmm. second half, you got to go, be a, a patron. Um, so, you know, we're on Patreon. Um and uh, I've also started doing a series of live streams with my uh, adoptee friend of mine, Kyle. Um, he's another Korean American adoptee, and we do um, 
live streams on YouTube. Um, it's called the Real Adoptee Words podcast or the Real Adoptee Words. So if you uh, type that into your YouTube search box, that'll come up. And we do that every Tuesday or once a week. We try we aim for Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about not just adoptee-related things, though I think we, we try to emphasize sort of or, or talk a lot about uh, adoptee issues and the whole system, right? Because I think there isn't a lot of discussion about the reality of adopt the adoption mm-hmm. system, both domestically, internationally. We talk about more about the international side just because that's our experience as, as international adoptees. Um, so we are 12 streams in, which I'm proud of ourselves. We've done 12 nice. streams. And uh, we're, we'll be, we will be making them as a podcast. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get off my button, <laughs> eventually get those up. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate inviting me on. I'm sorry for the, for the tangent at the end. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. Um, and it's Sarah, kind of our thing. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of our thing. I think it's part of our brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, uh, so Sarah, uh, where can we find you and your wonderful suite of products? Uh, you can oh, find right. me. My uh, my last um, TikTok got murked, but my new one is um, at, uh, hold on, Hot Tub Greenhouse Girl. Come find me. And my website is metalhoney.com. Get your infused hot honeys. And I just launched nice. a new website, I guess, um, called uh, Glower and Glow. It's for my skincare line that went viral on TikTok for people who are uh, grumpy but still want to have nice skin. So that would be like glowerglowskin.com. So. Glower and Glow. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, you know, you, although you, all of our listeners can't see uh, our beautiful visages, Adam and I look like kind of like scrubs. But Sarah, you <laughs> yeah. are radiant as always it's because i have a ring light and i used to be a makeup artist so that's well, how there you go, go. I, I think there it's also go. because of your wonderful <laughs> glower and glow products um that's gonna what about do you it. matt oh uh yeah. yeah we'll talk about me another time uh <laughs> <laughs> um that's gonna do it for us uh this week uh thank you so much again adam for coming on um thank you you're very welcome. Uh, this has been The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.